I'm sure you've noticed over the past few months, there's been some division and some strife at times in our country. There have been some things said, some um, difficult times. We've experienced it in different ways with kids in our youth group experiencing some different questions and some different struggles. And it is at times painful to watch um, as somebody who wants to see his kingdom built. I think we can all look at some of the stuff that's happened in our country at times and gone, the enemy's laughing. The enemy's laughing. The enemy is enjoying himself. And so tonight, I want to look at, I don't think I'm going to share anything deep theologically with you that you haven't seen before, but what I would like to do is maybe look at a couple of ways that we might be able to be encouraged tonight through God's word to really push back against darkness and really hopefully bring hope to people. Yesterday, well, it started a couple days ago for me, just thinking about this community that we live in. And I was just digging through numbers and statistics and researching, and I can nerd out on some of that stuff sometimes. I like numbers and statistics. Usually it has to do with NFL quarterback ratings or free throw percentages in the NBA. But from time to time, I'm really curious about the demographics of what we're dealing with. I'm going to share a few numbers with you guys that I shared yesterday with uh, the rest of our staff when we were, we were meeting yesterday. There's about 83,000 people in Josephine County. There are about 22,000 people that would say they have a church home out of 83,000 people in Josephine County. So that is one-fourth of the people in this county say they have a church home. So to say we have a homelessness problem is an understatement, right? We have three-fourths of the people that are without a church home. We also break the numbers down further. We've got about 10 to 12,000 people that say they are a part of an evangelical Protestant church. So we've got about one-eighth of the people in this county that are hopefully hearing the gospel. One-eighth. 10 to 12,000 people. There's a lot of lost people in Josephine County. We have at Edgewater... Any given week, it can go up and down, whether it's summer, indoors, outdoors. Let's say it's between 1,000 and 2,000 people in a given week. 1.2 to 2.4% of Josephine County comes to this church. Now, we could grow that if we had a building. So I'm just going to say that might help to begin with. That's my building plug. Matt didn't tell me to say that, but no. Think about that. 1.2 to 2.4% of Josephine County comes to our church. We've got some great work being done in some other churches. But 2.4%, even up to other churches included, about 10%. That motivates me. That motivates me. There's 80 to 90% of the population of Grants Pass that are not a part of a church home. I was recently talking with somebody who kind of fell out of fellowship, doing great, fell out of fellowship, wasn't here talked with them a while back, life was just a train wreck. Just spiraled out of control and you can pinpoint it back to the point where they just gradually started to pull themselves out of fellowship. Tell me church doesn't matter. Tell me God didn't create community, something special when he created community for us, that he wasn't looking out for us. So that makes me say, what do we do? How do we reach those people? How do we get 75 to 80% more people into the church to hear the gospel? 
I think there's a couple of things in Scripture. I know that we've got a lot of ways that we can do this. I know we can look at a lot of different things. But for me personally, I think what we're fighting against is hopeless people. I think people believe the lies of the enemy. I think there's people that don't understand Romans 8. I think people commit these uh, things that they feel are huge mistakes in their life, and they don't know the truth of the gospel in Romans 8 that says that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. The enemy wants to whisper these lies, and so they repeat these what seem to be generational patterns and can't break them. They haven't seen that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. They haven't heard the testimony of the saints. There are hopeless people, not here to make you sad, but there are hopeless people in Josephine County that are perishing. Did you know that less than 50% of the families in Grants Pass in Josephine County, less than 50% of the homes, and this probably includes a lot of you, there's not a husband and a wife leading the home. So we talked to his pastors. Boy, that changes how we actually need to be approaching some of these family counseling sessions or um, when we're meeting with kids and we're like, well, why, why don't you get this? We all are in a home where there's a dad and a wife and the kids come home and we talk and we, less than 50% of the homes in Grants Pass actually have that. So there is a battle going on. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Be ready. We have to be ready to give people hope. But here's the key. Here's the kicker I think we sometimes miss. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. There's a lot of sharp words being thrown around and videos being thrown around on Facebook and social media and whichever news channel we're watching, there's not a lot of gentleness and respect. I understand. I understand that we get passionate people on both side, sides of the aisle, but we're missing. A lot of people are missing the gentleness and respect. We have to bring hope to lost people. When I hear people, whether it's CNN or whether it's Fox News or whether it's a marcher here or it's a person striking for this or whatever, when I hear that, what I hear is, I'm broke. I'm broke. And this is going to fix it. This will fix it. There's something inside me that's broken. I want this to get done so that it'll get fixed. And there's a part of me, honestly, that says, give them whatever they want so they'll see that that's not what's going to do it. The people in this country more than ever need the hope of Jesus Christ, and that's where we come in. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Notice when it talks about the giftings, when it talks about gifts, it's plural, Anytime you read about giftings, it's plural. You may have this gift, you may have that gift. When it talks about fruit in Galatians, it says the fruit. It doesn't say the fruits. You may have this different fruit or this different fruit. If you have Jesus Christ in you, you should have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. 
I can't, as a believer, say, well, I have goodness and faithfulness. Patience, I'm still struggling with that one. That's a cop-out. I don't have kindness. I'm kind of working on that. I'm a little abrupt. That's a cop-out for me. It's the fruit. All of it. When we get Jesus, we get all that fruit. I need to examine my fruit more frequently because there's some of these I don't practice very well. <clears throat> Proverbs eleven seventeen says, a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. I could share with you guys study after study. We probably have done it for, at different times up here. People who are mean live unhealthier, less satisfying, shorter lives. Scientific fact, whether, you're, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, people who are mean live less satisfying, less healthy, shorter lives. A man who is kind, it says in Proverbs, benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. God knows. God knows what's good for us. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. How many of you have ever called Chad Hansen and gotten his voicemail? I hope you're choosing to have a good day. Chad's voicemail says it. It says basically what it says in Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. We have a choice in the process. We can actually put these things on. We choose as Christians to live this way when we consider what's been done on our behalf. Proverbs 31.26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. A Proverbs 31 woman, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. A side note, it doesn't say that kindness is the sweet lady who sits over there and never says anything. I don't know where the Bible ever mentioned that. I think people kind of got that twisted. Proverbs 31.26 is very clear that when women teach kindness, a Proverbs 31, a godly woman, when she teaches kindnesses on her tongue, she has a voice, she has a place, and a godly woman will speak with kindness and wisdom. Here's the key, I think, for us to remember. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We've been going through Genesis. We've been talking about seeing people in the Imago day. It's a whole lot easier to be kind when we think about the price paid for us, when we know that our lives were running contrary to what God had for us and he was pursuing us. His love never failed. And in our opposition to him, he snatched us and grabbed us and we started this beautiful relationship. One of our children recently <clears throat> had to learn this lesson. Um, this child of ours, I'm going to try to keep it vague so I don't expose anybody, but um, one of our kids was at school, and they're really close with this other student in class, known them for years, since before school. They're like family. And 
our child was coming home and saying, oh, this person said this today. This person said this. This person said this. It was getting like every day for like weeks, every day. And it was getting mean. It really was. And there's a part of me in my flesh, it's like, oh, do this, right? But we just kept saying, listen, you have to know. We all know hurt people hurt people. You have to know this person is hurting. There is something going on that you don't know about. I don't think so. They're just being really mean. They'll just randomly blah, 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 blah. You got to know it's not you. It's not personal. They're going through something. They're going through something. And then one day, recently, this person came up to my child. They were going back and forth and arguing about something. And out of the blue, this child says to my child, your life is perfect. Your life is perfect. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's going on in my home. Your life is all perfect and you don't have any problems, which is not true. And that day, um, actually within a couple hours, my wife came home and she said, I was talking with sibling of this child and there's some stuff going on, some serious stuff. They didn't even sleep last night. They were at school, they didn't get to sleep because there was some issues going on, some custody parental things that these kids are dealing with. So we were able to say, look, that's what they're up against. And now this child of ours is able to see that child in the Imago Dei. You're hurt. What you need right now is not a fight. You need some kindness. You need some love. You need some encouragement. And it was, it was a tough few weeks there, but I'm thankful because this child of ours was able to learn a huge, huge lesson about kindness and compassion and understanding. <clears throat> My opinion we just read several scriptures about kindness. My opinion. I believe the kindness that Christians, we as Christians demonstrate, could be the most practical, most evident, most consistent form of love. And I believe it has kindness. Pure, godly, Christian kindness has the potential to change the world. I think it's a simple, overlooked thing. You know it when you see it on people. There are people in your lives you know they're just as sweet and as pure and as kind and as loving as possible. And you want that. We see it. We know it. It's good. I personally believe <clears throat> that's the key to this whole thing. We have to demonstrate that. Now, how can we do that? We're going to talk about that in a second. But first, we're going to play a game. I need everybody to stand up. Sorry, I'm having a middle school, high school flashback here for a second. Everybody, please stand up. Okay, I'm going to read you a question. It's a would you rather question. If you would rather do the second part of the question, sit down, okay? You ever played the would you rather game? Okay, here we go. So, 
If you would do the second, if you'd rather do the second part, you would sit down for this, okay? So, would you rather live through Genesis or live through Revelation? If you'd rather live through Genesis, stay standing. If you'd rather live through Revelation, sit down. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Okay, everybody stand back up. Here we go. Would you rather be the funniest person in the room or the most intelligent person in the room? If you'd rather be the funniest person in the room, stay standing. If you'd rather be the most intelligent, sit down. Okay, this is good. I'm getting a good, good picture of what we got here. Okay, everybody stand back up. Okay, I'm remembering this. We're recording this, right, Josh? Okay. Would you rather reverse one decision you make every day or be able to stop time for 10 seconds every day? Would you rather be able to reverse one decision you make every day or be able to stop time for 10 seconds every day? If it's the first one, stay standing. Second one, sit down. So most of you would rather reverse one decision you make every day. I like that, yeah, it's a do-over, a mulligan, good. Okay, everybody stand back up. Couple more, bear with me. Would you rather be able to talk your way out of any situation or punch your way out of any situation. If you'd rather be able to talk your way out of any situation, stay standing. If you'd rather be able to punch your way out of any situation, sit down. There we go. My man, Daniel. Okay, stand back up. You guys are faking the kindness right now. You're thinking it's a trick. There's no trick to this. Okay. Couple more. Would you rather... I know we have some animal lovers in here, but this is... Okay, we'll see. Would you rather kiss a dog on the mouth or kiss a cat on the mouth? Dog, stay standing. Cat, sit down. There's a vet in here that probably knows more than I do. Okay, interesting. Two more. Everybody back up. Would you, would you rather win a million dollars right now? This is going to say something about our age. Would you rather win a million dollars right now or a thousand dollars a week for the rest of your life? A million dollars right now or a thousand every week for the rest of your life? If you're 20 or younger, you better be sitting down. That's a good deal, yeah. I wasn't a math teacher, but I know that's probably good. Okay, everybody stand back up. Last one, here we go. Would you rather be right or would you rather be kind? Oh, uh uh-huh. See what you did there. I see what you did there. <clears throat> that last one was a joke. I'm messing with you guys. But listen, it does feel at times, it does feel at times that there are people that would way rather be right than consider that we're called to be kind, right? I come from a family of very brutally on, honest loggers on my dad's side and very witty, sarcastic Irish family on my mom's side. My mom is first-generation Irish immigrant. So very, very witty, sarcastic on one side, very, very brutally honest loggers on the other side of the family. I've been doomed my whole life, my whole life. So I have spent most of my Christian life repenting of the things I said before I was a Christian and those first couple years when you're saved and you know everything, and you just spew all this nonsense. I'm so embarrassed of the things I said when I was newly saved. So I've spent most of my life really 
considering my words because I've said so many stupid things, the Bible warns us that we will have to give an account for every idle word. That's a scary reminder for me. Every idle word, I'll have to stand before God and explain that. That scares me. What I've found in life, my biggest regrets honestly come from the things that I've said and the things that maybe I haven't said to people. Usually the biggest regrets I have when I consider my life have to do with my words. I believe one of the most important ways for us to live out kindness is through our words. It says in Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. We know our family, a very staunch, outspoken atheist who is involved in our kids' lives through some different things. And this individual could not be more supportive, more encouraging, could not have worked more tirelessly in promoting and lifting up and building up my kids. And we have very, very opposing beliefs on things. But I have been so blessed by the way that this person has treated my kids, knowing who I am, knowing the things that they share honestly in class, knowing what job I have. They have done nothing but support my kids and my family. And so God placed it on my heart to write a couple of letters of encouragement to this person's supervisor, not that they were in any kind of, um, their job was in jeopardy or anything, but it was just more of, man, God, I, God placed this on my heart, and I want to bless this person. And they were so thankful that I would contact a couple of their supervisors and just say, I'm so thankful for this person. That's, that was a time once in my life when I actually got it and listened and obeyed. I think we all see a lot of unnecessary strife, and the Bible gives us a lot of warning about strife in this country amongst people, and we can control it with our words. 2 Timothy 2.23, it begins by saying, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. That's what we want. We want to use those things. We want to avoid controversy so we can see people brought into the knowledge of the truth. And I'm not saying to withhold truth from someone. I'm saying to do it kindly. I hear sometimes, from time to time, people say, well, we need to hit them with a little bit of grace and a little bit of truth. You've probably heard that before, which... I get what people are saying when they say that, but I think we send the message that they're mutually exclusive, and I think we all know that grace and truth go hand in hand. I think grace is truth, and the truth is that there is grace. So we share truth with people so that we can say, yeah, this is a difficult conversation. I'm sharing a difficult truth with you because There is grace. There is great hope in who our king and redeemer is. So that's why we share truth, because we can share grace. We don't just focus on the truth. I see far too many people, you probably know them, far too many people who are really, really eager to share truth. 
and they let somebody else share the grace. Well, what if nobody does? That's our job, to bring both of those together. Now, the reason the Bible says to avoid strife, Proverbs 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. It separates, it divides, and the thing that God wants most for his kids is community. It tells us right here, it separates close friends. I don't even have to ask you to raise your hands. I know everybody in here knows people, knows someone. You might have people here tonight that you've been separated as close friends because of strife that has been brought into your relationship. James 3, 14 through 16 says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Calls it demonic. Calls it demonic in James. Galatians 5 19 through 21, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is a stern warning on strife. In the middle of sexual immorality and drunkenness and orgies and all that, strife and division and fits of anger and a warning, you're going to miss the kingdom. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It is an honor for a man to keep aloof or away from strife, but a fool will be caught up in quarreling. Proverbs 29, a man of wrath stirs up strife. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, says there are six things the Lord hates goes through it all and it says, one who sows discord among brothers. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. What God desires for us, I believe is found in Romans 12, 16. It says that we would live in harmony with one another. Harmony that we as brothers and sisters in Christ would, would use kindness, would use things like our words to live in peace and harmony. Definition of harmony I find is interesting. It says it's the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes produce to produce chords and chord progressions having a pleasing effect or a melody a melody is called, a definition of a melody says a sweet or agreeable succession or arrangement of sounds. You know when you hear your favorite song and you can't get enough of it? You just want to play it over and over and over? I remember when I was a kid, my uncle, really, really young, my uncle got uh, what it would have been the uh, Top Gun soundtrack. He got the, the, the cassette Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. I remember him playing it in his truck and rewinding it at the end of every song. I have to sit there and wait forever for him to hold in on the rewind. He'd play it over and over and over and over. A melody, a harmony, is something you just can't get enough of. I gotta, I gotta be around that. I have to hear that. It does something to me. 
I love that that's what God says for us. We are to live in harmony where people would see us, see us or view us, experience us like their favorite song. It's a sweet sound. It's a pleasing effect that I need more of. I want to be around that. How do we change the fact that there's whatever, 60,000 lost people in Josephine County? I, let's start here. Let's, let's start here and, and continue to move, but let's, let's create a melody. Let's live in harmony with each other, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. Tonight, I'm going to ask you to think about your words. I want you to be thinking about words and people. Maybe God's going to place somebody on your heart. Trevor's going to come up here in just a second and give us a time to just reflect for a few minutes. When we first got married, my wife, her favorite thing was to, she kept it really simple. The bar was pretty low for me. She wanted cards. Anniversary, her birthday, Valentine's Day. And just like I, I, I got a win with this person that, that I used my words for, I got a loss in that area because I didn't do it very well. I was lazy as a young married man. I didn't get a lot of cards. I would forget the cards. I would get the flowers. I would maybe pick out a cool gift. But she wanted words. She really liked it when I wrote words down on a card and gave her a card. And I'm, I'm sad that I blew that. And, I've been, and, and she sadly eventually got to the point where she's like, it's okay. I don't need a card. I'm kind of over it now. That breaks my heart that I did that, but I've used that as motivation. Now we text, I can't give her enough great words. I'm trying to make up for all the words that I didn't share. I've got two older boys, and the way that I show them I love them is wrestling with them, playing basketball with them, watching a game with them. Usually I show them I love them by not talking to them. They don't wanna talk. We have a little girl that doesn't stop talking. And my wife keeps reminding me that that is her love language, communication, words. She needs those words for me, and it's exhausting for me. I'd rather play an hour of basketball sometimes than talk for 10 minutes. It's tough. But she needs those words, and the Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. I take the Bible seriously. Those are big words. The power of life and death We've seen kids, maybe we have adults here tonight, who have believed the lies of the enemies, of a dad, of a mom, who spoke words of death their whole life. And it has been a stumbling block their whole life. Tonight, Trevor's going to come up here. We're going to give you guys a card. Simple little card. We got some pens. I want you to just put words down. On a simple little card, it can be for your wife, it can be for your kids, it can be for a coworker. Maybe it's somebody that you have strife with. It doesn't have to be. But I want you to use your words to speak life into this person. Maybe they're words of gratitude, words of thanks, words of encouragement. I'm praying for you. I miss you. I'm sorry about this or I'm thankful about this. Take a few minutes, 
Trevor's going to play some music. Ask that God would play somebody on your heart. And don't take your words lightly. The power of life and death are in them. We can use them to build up, to bring hope, to testify, to encourage, to see 60,000 lost people turn their lives around in Josephine County. It could start with one person tonight. Father, we thank you that we get to partner with you. That you want to see regenerated souls. We thank you that you want to see people redeemed. We thank you that we have the honor and privilege of getting getting to do that in, in your kingdom, Lord. I pray you'd give us eyes to see people that, that need a word, Lord. That need hope. That need kindness. I pray that I would be somebody that would be much more gentle and kind with my words and with my approach. I pray that we as a body of believers, Lord, would be like a sweet melody, that we would live in harmony in a way that would draw people to to you, Lord. They'd see something special. They'd want it. It would be sweet. I pray that for the body of Edgewater, Lord, the, the the churches in Grants Pass, Lord, that we would... Lord, draw close to you, and in doing so, have harmony with each other and draw people to you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.